Hey everybody, welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige. We're going to be talking about the 25th anniversary of the release of the Martin Corsese, Scorsese. Corsese, Scorsese? You say Scorsese, I say Corsese. He changes, Who's wrong? He changes it every time. Every time he says it, he says it different. He does it. It's, it's another way for him to get more of his family members into the film. You know, They have, they have strict <laughs> nepotism laws in Hollywood. Yeah, strictly nepotism. Strictly enforced ah, nepotism laws. This is, this is Corsese. Yeah. Corsese doesn't <laughs> live with me. Scorsese, who said Scorsese? I said, this is Corsese. Come on. It's um, also to keep the it, FBI off his trail. That's true. That's true. In fact, I'm going to be covering my mouth for the entire part because I've, I've heard that they've hired... Uh, <laughs> I've heard that they've hired lip syncers uh-huh. or lip lip readers. They've hired lip syncers and lip readers. That's the the measure countermeasure that we got going on. Uh, I've gotten way off topic. We're talking about the 25th anniversary of the movie Casino. Mm-hmm. Uh, this thing came out November 22nd, 1995. It's been 25 years. Some people say that Casino is to Goodfellas as The Godfather 2 is The Godfather. Uh, superior version of an already amazing amazing film wait 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 um, I don't they know. say casino is better than goodfellas yes that is the that's nah. what a lot of people nah, say that's nah, what nah, many nah. people say forget uh about i'm not even yeah we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute um but this uh this movie casino was based on a novel or a, a, a yeah yeah novel by nicholas Pileggi. Uh, Casino, Love and Honor in Las Vegas. Now, you might remember Nick also wrote the Wise Guys book that inspired Goodfellas. And just like that project, he also worked with Martin Scorsese to uh, adapt this novel into a screenplay. It's based on a real story. He had uh, tons of access to the real Frank Lefty Rosenthal that uh, De Niro's Sam Ace Rothstein is based on. Uh, and uh, this guy owned and operated four casinos during the heyday of the mafia uh, run of uh, Las Vegas back in the, the late 70s. It stars, of course, Robert De Niro, Sharon Stone, Joe Pesci, Don Rickles, Kevin Pollock, and James Woods. And see, he's James Woods. God, I, I tried to make him James Wood. That's Elijah's deal. I yeah, it's another one of those nepotism things. You know, you you, you change uh, something into a, a possessive or a plural, and boom, whole other entity as far as the IRS is con- concerned. Yep. Wink. Um, James. So yeah, James is Wood a, is his LLC. James Wood is his LLC. Yeah. This is uh, so. So this that's the movie. What do you think of Casino? Have you seen Casino before? Oh, I. Yeah. Um, I, okay. I've seen it at least twice uh, before this, so this will be at least my third time. I can't remember exactly how many times I've seen it, though, because uh, it's a long movie, and it is. Uh, unlike some people, apparently, I don't think it's as good as some of Scorsese's other films, uh, but it's still very good. Like, look, Scorsese's kind of in a league of his own when it comes to these mafia movies, um, and so even his, like, kind of mediocre efforts are still kind of amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. I think it's it's a like fresh look at the mafia scene. Um, you know, that, that Las Vegas perspective kind of gives it life. Um, where I've seen so many freaking New York mafia movies, mm-hmm. right? Uh, all those can start to feel the same. This feels very different just based on its setting and its uh, time period and its fashion, its lifestyle, like all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it does feel a lot like um, a more gothic Goodfellas. 
Yeah, it yeah. is broadly speaking the exact same storyline, um, with largely the same cast of characters. I mean, they're they're different. They have different names, and they're obviously in different locations and different lifestyles. But like, you know, Joe Pesci. Stop me if you've heard this before. Is playing a hothead gangster who can't be controlled and who undermines the success of the larger uh, illegal operation. And Robert De Niro plays the the tight laced, efficient straight man general. Uh, and, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's going to be brought down in part by his ego and, uh, uh, his, his unstable relationship with women. Um, it shares a lot of the same DNA and I, I guess maybe we can start there. Um, I, you know, people say that Godfather two is unambiguously better than the Godfather. I don't know that I agree. I, and I know we said this, we had this debate in a podcast, but like, I go back and forth all the time. Yeah, like me too. You know, and to the extent that maybe Godfather 2 is greater than the Godfather, it wouldn't exist and even make sense in without the, the context of the Godfather. So it's like, well, OK, if it is better then it's standing on three hours of superior filmmaking. So like uh, I, 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 it's, it's hard. It, it's 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 hard for me to give it the nod um, mm-hmm. that way. And I kind of feel the same way. Um, if Casino's better, it's better because it, I guess it's slightly more adult and it is less of a well-worn concept. You know, getting out into Vegas, you still got the mob connections. But, you know, instead of, you know, The Godfather is roughly the story of Michael Corleone trying to be Sam Rothstein, like trying to get mm-hmm. to Vegas where he can go legit and start making, you know, start running a square, a square deal, yeah. you know, and, and, and put this life of crime. This is the movie about how that falls apart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is kind of funny that even Michael Corleone got what he wanted at the end of God or in Godfather two, it would all have come crashing down like a decade later. <laughs> sure. No, no, I, I like it for that. Um, I'm, very much, I, and I talked about this in our Goodfellas review, which we did not too long ago. Uh, how I really like the sort of like gangster on the come up story. Um, this this movie doesn't have as dynamic of a main character. Um, Sam Rothstein is nowhere near as interesting as Henry Hill, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I, I don't have that instant connection to the film that I do with Henry Hill, like because he's just a regular dude, right? He grows up in this this area of New York that you know is filled with gangsters and he sees a life and he gets enticed by it I that's a story that I could watch and I have watched many many times over right um, but it's always interesting to me and so when I say like oh this is fresh it, it's also maybe not as as intrinsically interesting to me because um, mm. I you know I, I can't ever see myself in Sam Rothstein but you could see yourself in Henry Hill right yeah at the beginning of that movie yeah, and they, they do enough, like, an early narration of this movie to establish that, like, if you, you know, Henry Hill is Sam Rothstein, and they are outside the mafia organization. They're never going to be fully trusted. They're never going to be made men, and they form yeah. this childhood relationship with a person who is. Um, so it's like, but but you're right. Like, an origin story is probably always inherently more interesting and exciting than, like, the winding up of one. You know, this is this is not how things begin. This is how things end. Yeah. Um, and it's got, you know, established people, you know, dealing with like maintaining power rather than or some kind of rise to power. Yeah. And I do like it for that. Um, like I said, I think this is a great movie. It's just not as inherently interesting. Yeah. And it's like it's really interesting because the three main characters. So you get Ace, 
he is this gambling expert. He is an expert handicapper. Like he knows, and they 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 kind of show you like he knows, you know, which quarterback is addicted to coke, which quarterback's blown out his knee, you know, which horse has got a swollen left testicle. Like he knows everything. He's got all this information. Nobody knows how he gets it, but he is very good at making money betting on sporting events. Um, and he's very meticulous, you know, like, like, but, but he's also got as a result, a huge ego and, uh, like, like a, a, a compulsion to control things. Mm-hmm. And he's thrown into these other two characters, Nikki, who is the diametric opposite. Nikki just wants to go and smash and grab all the time, yeah. uh, because he loves it. Not for any ends to, to achieve any means. He just loves taking shit from people mm-hmm. and beating people up. And then Ginger, uh, played by Sharon Stone, is, uh, you know, she's Elizabeth Shue from Leaving Las Vegas. It's funny. We kind of got into the Vegas gangster yeah. right, right here without intending with these anniversaries. Yep. But she's she's what they call a hustler, um, sex worker. Uh, you know, like uh, there's this one narration. I think Joe Pesci says she's the type, she's good at keeping a man up for two to three days and taking everything from him, facilitating the taking of everything from him, and then sending him back home to the missus, uh, and just doing it again and again and again, and and skimming off. And, and that's one of the themes in the movie, like the fact the skim, everything's being skimmed at every freaking level with the with the mob run in Vegas. Yeah, um, but I've got some questions around that that. I'm hoping you'll be able to help me answer, but we'll see. I don't know, because I've only seen this movie maybe once or twice more than you. Okay. Uh, I did see it. Um, so I, I but but the thing is, what's interesting about these characters is they're like a, they have a rock, paper, scissors relationship hmm. where they're all like weak to one particular person and strong against another. Or they all just have these personalities that instead of leading into some kind of virtuous spiral upwards, it's always just this vicious circle that goes uh, to the bottom, to elder, utter destruction and destitution. And it's, it's, I thought it was really uncomfortable watching, especially in the third act when sh- things are just going to shit. Yeah. You know, uh, like my God, Robert De Niro, um, I always think of him as this very strong character and he is the weakest of men in this film. You know, uh, he's just <laughs> bluster and empty threats and ultimatums that he never enforces. And, um, yeah. And it's I don't interesting thing. It's interesting to watch. I don't quite understand why that's the case. Like I, it, it, from the very beginning, from the very start of this relationship between Sam and Ginger, I'm wondering what it is that he sees in her. What is what is the thing that, you, you know, they, they do the whole thing where like the music drops out and when he first sees her and and it's all eyes on her and this this moment of like instant attraction She's flipping poker chips into the air and and causing chaos in his casino. She's a tornado in she, his casino. Yeah. yeah, she's doing the the shit that Nikki would do, and he'd be pissed off about it. I don't understand why there's any attraction here, and I don't think the movie ever explains that. It just kind of says, "Hey, this is an attractive woman. Uh, she's kind of got this this crazy streak, this wild streak, whatever." And is it like he's trying to tame a stallion? What What is this thing? I, I don't understand I the I really think that's what it is. They all have this thing where, like, why does Sharon Stone stick with her pimp, you know, that's picked yeah. her up when she was, I guess, 14 and been have some kind of mind control ever since? 
you know, why does Nikki, who can make money 10 different ways in Vegas, have to threaten the head of a bank who is like a civilian is going to run to the FBI? Why? Yeah. And, and Nikki at least provides an explanation in that scene. He goes, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to do all these things, even though I'm going to go to jail. And as soon as I get out of jail, you'll be coming out of your coma and I'm going to crack your skull again. You know why? Because I'm stupid uh-huh. and I'm crazy. And I think that is the answer. Like, I just saw this movie like whenever we recorded Goodfellas, I saw the movie that night because Cecily is like, I got to see this casino. Like we're on a real Scorsese kick. I'm like, all right, wow. I haven't seen Casino in a long time. That's right. Like I literally the next week I realized I'd have to be watching it again and taking notes. I'm like, <laughs> damn it. This yeah. is a long ass movie. But it did give me this perspective because I was asking all these questions and they were still in my head. So I was looking. And yeah. what's funny about this, just like The Godfather, just like The Godfather, just like any kind of complex adult you know, narration Every time I watch this movie, I feel like I get a new wrinkle out of it. And mm-hmm. things that I thought might be like flaws and narrative mistakes are turn out to be a strength or a, a hidden complexity that I didn't appreciate on the first few viewings. Okay. Um, so I think this thing rewards rewatching uh, uh, quite a bit. And there's a lot of things that are entertaining about it. Um, it's just like, yeah, there's a certain part of this movie, like in Goodfellas, like if you want to, you can stop watching this movie at a certain point and it's kind of a happy ending. Uh, and I think it's right before Ace fires the the slot machine guy. Yeah, like it all. Yeah. But but the other thing that makes this engine work is like so you've got these three people that are stupid. You know, like why can't Ace just Ace pays off everyone and everyone's on the skim. He lets Nikki do it. He lets uh, Ginger do it. Why can't he let this stupid slot machine guy get his skim on? Like maybe yeah he he lets three jackpots win fifteen minutes back to back to back maybe you put him in charge of the blueberries in yeah, the yeah. kitchen mm-hmm. but why why do you have to have this pointless pissing match that you know you're going to lose and every decision he makes since that to escalate it gets him in trouble with the fucking bosses and they all do it no it's, like, it's some of that street street versus like establishment I like it's it's the east versus west kind of thing um. Hmm. There's very much like a cowboys versus city folk. Uh, oh yeah, sort of string running through this movie because, like, you know, that dude comes in with the fucking turquoise bolo tie. It's enormous. It's like I don't know, huge. Uh, sure, the, the snakeskin boots, and he's like all this, you know, western swagger, like this cowboy energy. And and I think Rustin takes a look at him and goes. And they do this thing, too, where they're, like, contrasting their footwear. So, like, first of all, Sam's sitting at his desk with no pants. And and seeing Robert De Niro in those <laughs> stockings and blue shoes is not something I wanted. Uh, yeah, he's doing he's he's doing the, uh, um, oh, Jesus Christ, the Sean Connery. Absolutely. Rest in peace. Uh, but then when the, when the, the county commissioner walks in, they're... They don't show his face right away. They start on the shoes and the the, mm-hmm. the snakeskin boots versus the shiny polished blue leather. I don't know what Robert De Niro is wearing. It's a nightmare. But uh, you know they're contrasting their their styles and and where they're from and you know their attitudes and all of that stuff. Oh yeah, and you know that's. But the thing is, is like they also make it a point that like uh, Ace should know better. Like he is running without a, yeah. he's running a casino without a casino license, and he's got maximum exposure. The heat that Nikki's put on him is like just let the guy. And the guy comes in and it's like I thought, like the first time I watched it, I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to be on Ace's side, but because the guy's going to come back and like look here, you little 
you fucking uh, Italian Jew pissant slur slur slur. Mm-hmm. I'm you're gonna take my nephew back and you're gonna put him in charge of the fucking uh, poker ch- tables as well as the thing. He came in right. and be like, hey, look, man, I know this is some misunderstanding, and I, I look, I the guy, the kid's a tough luck case, you know. He's mm-hmm. he's a tough luck case. I I don't expect you to put him back on the floor, but can can he count the garbanzo beans and the salad bars? Can we can I just get him paid? Can he just get his? Can we just get our beaks wet here? And Sam just fucking big times him. And it reminds me, man, this this happens so much. Like it, it um, there's these these things that Scorsese does, and I know I saw it in Gangs of New York, which I watched earlier this year. I saw it in The Irishman, which I watched. I've gone uh, Scorsese overload. Know, we can man. fit Raging Bull in here uh, before the end of the year. We we get the the whole fucking thing complete. But he keeps doing this thing where it's like there's this fatal flaw of pride. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, you know, just like uh, uh, J- Jimmy Hoffa could not back down when he hit the end of his rope uh, and is going to get him killed. Ace, there's like uh, multiple in- occasions where it's like there is a place where you can go and allow a person to do the thing that they've been doing the whole film. Like skim, just just get a little bit, just just take a little bit off the top and you'll be fine. Or get the fuck out and go back to being a bookie. And he just doesn't do it. Um, yeah, it's it's the and, the thing that got them there is the thing that ultimately brings them down, right? Like, you know, you you got to have that don't never back down spirit to get to the place they got to. But then also, I guess that's true. It, yeah, you ride thing, that thing they, right over the cliff. Yeah, there's the um, yeah. You get promoted to to the point where you're out. You you know, like if. If, if you're doing a job and you do it well, you get promoted. But eventually, you know, your capacity to keep doing a job well is going to be exceeded and you get promoted to where you're now incompetent and you can't keep the job. It's it's yeah. interesting. Um, do you want to like because I've got some of my notes broken down and kind of like art, thematic character analysis and stuff. Do you want to kind of do some I, I kind of want to talk about the art of this film because Scorsese is. He can make a beautiful film. I think The Gangs of New York is a beautiful film. Hmm. Uh, but some of the stuff, like, I, this is not a conventionally attractive, like, you know, um, uh, and he doesn't even do, like, some of the showy stuff he did in Goodfellas, like the long single sh- uh, tracking shots and whatnot. Um, but one of the things I thought he did, which I was endlessly entertained by, is the narration system. Yeah. Where it's like this dueling banjo kind of thing between between Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci talking about their perspectives and how it's different. And uh, we're going to be getting into massive spoilers from here on out. So if you haven't seen Casino, please, on his 25th anniversary, check it out. If, you, if, you, if you're at all into like gambling or, or gangster movies or whatnot. Um but the the, the and, and it's interesting because it gives you these guys like j- joint perspectives on what's going on and it, it allows you to be a lot more informed about as an audience about what's probably going to happen. But what I think is really great is when like there's a for, there's a few fourth wall breaks like uh, at some point out of nowhere, one of Jimmy's uh, handlers is getting pinched by the big boss and he's saying, look, I need you to be straight with me. I need you to not tell any is 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 Nikki out there fucking fucking Sam's wife mm-hmm. and like a freeze frames and then that guy starts being like Hey, I'm Frank. You probably don't even know my name now, but hey, here's the, what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm pushed between, and it's 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 great. It's really great. And then yeah. when Joe Pesci is going to the meeting that's going to get him killed, 
It's like he's narrating him walking into that room, getting to be a made man in Goodfellas and right. his stream of like, yeah, you know, I've, I've straightened things out like I knew I could. And then the ba- baseball back to the back of his knee shuts and, him and up. Y- yeah, they, they cut the narration there, right? Like they interrupt the <laughs> yeah. narration with the baseball bat, which implies to me that he's narrating all of this in his head because everybody else could like Robert De Niro's narration in this is Sam Rothstein after the fact sitting at his bookie desk going going over this history right yeah so he's sort of standing there reliving his history does he know it's coming in some way is that like it it it's really messy it's because yeah it's like it feels like it breaks the laws of time and space because obviously Mm -hmm. they're reminiscing during a lot of these films and then like they're just doing it until they die i i i liked it because it doesn't make strict sense but it is interesting um, and it's one of those things like one of the few flaws I have in this movie is I hate the way it begins. Like <laughs> well, I hate I so do I. That pink suit is awful. Good God. <laughs> I'm talking about like, you know, this it feels like American beauty where, you know, you establish some guy's gonna die at the very beginning. And just imagine that like at the end of the American beauty, you find out, oh, actually I survived that and I'm living and I'm doing fine and I'm doing Yeah. Like you showed me this car blowing up. And Ace is just flying his body, his corpse is flying through the air, being ejected from his vehicle. Fuck you, Scores. Yeah. And I'm like, but I don't know, because I like if I watch it one more time, will I realize something? Because at first I thought some of this narration was a flaw, too. Like, it's like, this is like Blade Runner shit. It doesn't really work. But then, like, it mm. it's used for comic relief a few times. It does break that fourth wall. It feels messy in the same way to kind of uncovering a he said, she said, he said thing should feel. So, yeah. The thing I, I always I, yeah. like about these narrations is it gets you into the spirit of the scene. You know, like, you'll be talking about, you know, sure. like the Irishman where you got, you know, Robert De Niro's character, I can't remember his name, uh, you know, offering the, the offering the meats up to, you know, some gangster. And, and he's going over in his yeah. head, right? Like, you know, uh-huh. uh, they'll, they'll never notice. And if they do, I'll just tell them, you know, fell off the back of the truck or whatever. You, you get into the spirit of those scenes a lot more with the narration. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, another thing that I get kicked out of is watching Martin Scorsese work his mom back into a, a, couple, a couple scenes, just playing yeah. this old Italian mom. Mm-hmm. And she's like cooking meatballs in the background. She's like her face when she every time some dude says the fuck, the, 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 fuck the word, word fuck. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I almost wonder, like, uh, did he have to coach her to do that? Or is he just like, my mom's never heard the F word in her life. I'm going to sit this camera and start. And I just know I'm going to get gold from her. But it feels completely, know. it feels completely natural, her just scolding these, like, I, now what did I say about, it's great. It's yeah. great, I love it. It's almost like she's not acting, but she's got to have heard, right? Like, he does this in every movie, where he's got the scene where the kids are being completely inappropriate, and the mom is going, oh, shame on you, kids. So, yeah. clearly, that's a part of everyday life in the Scorsese family, right? So, she's yeah, got to have yeah. heard or a couple fuck he's, words. He's, these are Italian-American families, I guess, because it's like the yeah. same thing. We just saw this in Fargo, too. Like, you know, the mom coming out and scolding, you boys, you're mm-hmm. doing your bad stuff. And nah, come on, my, we're talking business. It's just the way it goes. Um, not all Italian-Americans, of course. <laughs> Very yeah. small percentage of them. But um, I, uh, I also really like some of the camera work he does. Like, I noticed this time around, the camera follows the money. 
Hmm. Like even when there's a scene where Robert De Niro flips a, a envelope of cash on a di- on a diner table um, in front of this pimp, and like both the pimp and the the camera look down, like like the camera can't tear its eyes off of the money, <laughs> um, because that's the whole thing. Like nobody, everyone's skimming, but everyone's skimming is outraged that the next person is doing the skimming. Yeah, from the very tippy top of the bosses to the guy that's carrying the briefcase, like, hey, why can't I get my expenses reimbursed? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm paying you thousands of dollars to go out to Vegas and bring back money. I'm gonna start keeping records on. I can't believe I'm getting ripped off. Like, it is. It's like it's amazing the way they tell the story of everybody take got their hand in everybody else's pocket, and everybody's looking back in their own pocket, like, the fuck is this hand in mine? <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I love the way the camera is dynamically just doing. Like, if there's if there's cash or chips on the table, the camera is going to to focus in on that. Just so like it just it, it feels like the the film itself is hungry. You know? Nice. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Um. Then there's the wardrobe. Oh boy, Robert, is there the wardrobe? Robert De Niro's wardrobe is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I love like it that, and I hate it. I'm much more in the love column. His, <laughs> by the way, lot, lots of talk about robes in Bald Move of late and my mm-hmm. love of robes. Robert De Niro's robe game in this movie with matching silk pajamas is something that I can only aspire to. Yeah. Like Hugh Hefner wishes he had this robe game. Robert yeah. De Niro has got it all, man. It's the patterns, it's the materials, it's the yeah. colors, it's the coordinates. It's this is a fancy fancy man and I I I love the little detail of like him putting on his pants when the one the county commissioner comes calling like Robert Nero's got really nice legs and he's got these silk stockings pulled up to his kneecaps like there's some kind of front it's 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 a it's an interesting detail of how fastidious this guy is hmm. um i thought he had chicken legs the, but that's just me yeah did that's you just, i thought i was yeah. like i thought i, I thought it's like you know i bet robert de niro put uh you know it's been a couple of years since raging bull i bet he, he I bet bulked he up his legs did some did some leg presses, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Got those things, got those things sculpted and toned, because <laughs> he knew he was going to be walking around in stockings. Maybe he is. He's an older man, uh, so of course um, that's twenty five years ago. He's he's oh, older yeah. still. That's true. That's true. And he's really old now. It's like that's something I yeah. was like, God damn! I was just graduating high school in this year, and I'm yeah, I'm definitely a lot older than that. And twenty five years since, I'll be uh, really moldy, but mm-hmm. um. A couple other um, camera tricks I know there's like there's a Coke snorting cam where the camera's mm-hmm. actually in the rolled up dollar bill, seeing it like the line being inhaled into it. And they do a lot of that that it gives again to film and this feeling of having an appetite for these things that hmm. I that I really liked. Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense. And there's a couple scenes like, uh, you know, that scene where Robert De Niro drives out to the desert to meet Joe Pesci, like to kind of kick off the third act. When things are getting really bad, mm-hmm. that thing's a fucking clinic, man. Those guys are going. To, uh, ten, it's a ten round championship prize fight, and Pesci wins it because that's what the script says. Uh, but like, how Robert De Niro and how either of these guys can act through these enormous windshields that they're wearing over dude. their faces? Yeah, that, but, that's what I mean but, about the fashion. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's I, I got to yeah. remember it's the seventies. Uh, but that scene, I think it's like every time I see it, it's like uh, it's it's this amazing thing because they're both going toe to toe and they've had so much hurt and resentment that's built up 
Um, and they're both blaming each other for each other's mistakes. And at the end, Pesci, Nikki has to win the fight because he's the made man. And, you know, De Niro ends up in a hole and there's nobody anything can do about it. So, like, De Niro kind of, like, his face turns to granite and he, like, looks off into the middle distance and he just accepts this tor- torrent of abuse and threats from, from Nikki and he has to. But, like, goddamn, when Nikki gets in his car and he peels out and that dust cloud, like, De Niro still hasn't moved. He's still sitting there maintaining that frame and the dust cloud just kind of washes over him like a sandstorm. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful, like this movie is kind of shot ugly, but that's a hell of a shot. That's, that's, that, that is a, that's a hell of a scene. A hell of a shot. I think it's the best one in the movie in my, and for my money. Yeah, it's good. Um, I also just appreciate the dynamic that those two actors have together and, you know, they've been on screen several times. Um, yep. And, and the the way they interact, it's that scene, and then it's another scene where they're at Robert De Niro's house, and I forget exactly what's happening, but they're they're having another argument. Um, I think it's later yeah. in the movie, uh, and it might be around the time that Pesci is deciding whether he's going to kill De Niro or not, or you know, Nikki's deciding whether he's going to kill Sam. Uh, mm. There's there's an improvisational quality to it. Like these guys have been through this scene so many times that now they can just kind of wing it. Um, and I don't know if that that was intentional, if that actually happened, if it was improvised, um, or if it I know was that Goodfellas was a lot, and I imagine this is the same way. Like how which f words were in what porn and script, and you right. know, like yeah. So, but but if you feel it, right? You feel like this is an actual conversation, a heated conversation between these two guys who are longtime friends. You know, Nikki mentions it's been I've known this guy thirty five years, right? Uh, and you get you get all that that sense of I don't know pent up frustration and anger and affection and just like all of it. And I like the way that Scorsese writes these scripts, and that like both of the characters always have points. Like a lot mm-hmm. of times when there's an argument. There is a preconceived like winner and a preconceived loser and like the loser feels like they're playing the part they need to get into the losing frame. Whereas this it's like, you know, Nikki's he is stupid, but he's not stupid. Like when when, uh, you know, he comes at him about his wife and Ace like, hey, it's my wife. You stay out of my business. It's like, oh, I got to stay out of your business. You wanted me in your business a week ago when I was tailing this broad mm-hmm. and like beating the shit out of the pimp that was, you know, taking money from her. But now you want me to be like, that's a legit point. Like you yeah. can't retreat behind this pompacity and grandosity than say like, mind your own damn business when you've been getting like and there's a there's there's some real hurt there with Nikki it's like you know you always come crying to me when you need someone's skulls cracked or you need someone to be followed you need some dirty deeds but then it's like oh god Nikki's caused me so much problems when I'm doing my thing to survive it's it is uh it's interesting and the thing that I love like um (laughs) it's funny he's even got the same name like my relationship to tricky Nikki is like 95% 95% less psychotic and all the other stuff that goes in. But like the <laughs> okay. fundamental energy is exactly the same as De Niro and Pesci in this movie. Nice. Like, I swear to God, we laugh about it all the time. Sometimes we do like pretty <laughs> elaborate, like, like casino type conversations, just to escalate it for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's that's one thing that, that I since I've got become his friend, that's that's something that's been uh, extra juice with the watching the movie. And there's always like a feeling of being on Sam's side, I think, in a lot of this because Sam is a more generically stable person, right? He's 
he's not the guy who's going to go out and 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 beat somebody for the fun of it um or you know has this perfectly good life that he can then go ruin by wanting more or wanting something else to to, to excite it whatever but at the same time like sam causes a lot of his own problems here um and i think that's Absolutely. part of the film right like I, I mentioned like what does he see in ginger um from the very beginning well if he's just trying to tame this wild horse of ginger that's that's an instinct that is going to get him into trouble um mm-hmm. and then over the course of this like the way that escalates the way that he can't let her have anything of her own you know she's mm-hmm. going to be his i mean the, the whole marriage from the very beginning is ridiculous right I, he it is. proposes to her she says i don't feel anything for you like that and he goes well that'll grow eventually maybe um or so i hear and so, so he's marrying a woman who only wants him for his money in the first place and then he's surprised when things don't turn out like he hoped he's he's a fool yeah, no. in that regard He's he's like trying to trap her in this marriage, like you know, like uh, hey, here's all these jewels, here's your golden parachute, but I'm gonna keep it under lock and key. And they, mm-hmm. I mean, there's always like you can gesture. I think you can watch this, and I, I'm sure there's people to watch this, and they're totally on Sam's side. Like, well, you know, what are you gonna do, giving her money when she's got and like things got this bad because yeah. every you know every attempt, like again. Why does he give a shit that she wants to give her pimp $25,000? Like, if you wanted a $25,000 yeah. chinchilla, it would be fine. But, like, to make this guy go away, why doesn't he do it? And yeah. it's the exact same question. Like, I think you can't understand Nick, you can't understand Sam's relationship with Ginger without also applying the same analysis to Nikki. Because there's another wild horse that he can't possibly ever break. Yeah. yeah. And he could also, like, there, you know, uh, you know, he could either walk there, there. There's two solutions to both of these problems. You keep giving in their skim or you walk away. Mm-hmm. And he fucking like his principles offend him to keep giving these people the skim when they don't. Th- it's like there's a scene in the movie where, um, you know, after they had that fight in the desert, Nikki's like trying to prove a point. And he's like, I want to I'm, I'm going to run up a debt. And I'm going to take a 50,000. I'm just going to steal 50 grand from I'm banned from this casino. Mm-hmm. I just had I just threatened my best friend with his life. And I'm going to go into his casino and I'm going to lose a bunch of money. I'm just going to steal 50 grand from him. Yeah. And he could do I think if he did like, you know, and then like uh, there's two schools of thought here. If he gives him the 50 grand, Nikki could just be outraged and take him for another 50 and then it just escalates until like, what are you going to do? Give him a million? I guess I'd argue right. give him the fucking million. There's no <laughs> limit. There's no limit to what you should give Nikki to make the situation go away. <laughs> but uh, and then maybe walk away so you don't end up dead next time. But he can't do it. He gives him gives him ten thousand dollars, which ends up getting Don Rickles face bashed in. And, you know, it's one of the, the, the bad times of having a third act of this movie. But I just never like every single time I'm like, okay, two choices. Keep doing the thing you've done to keep this relationship, those busted relationship, wheezing a few more miles down the road or walk away. And he can't do either one. Yeah. And it's not just the money that he uses as a tool to keep Ginger under his thumb as well. It's the kid, right? Like they, they kind of gloss oh. over it. They're just like, oh, and I, I made sure we had the kid before she before we got married. Uh, that's huge that and that's would... the only line you're putting in about that and then yeah right, it turns right. into this massive thing by the end of the movie uh yeah yeah that's the, the, the thing, mechanism like, that, that shit's there. hard to watch man yeah that's that's you know money doesn't have feelings money doesn't have a future money doesn't right. have a life to live this kid right. does 
Yeah, and it's going to be a fucked up one. But that doesn't mean it's like a Rubik's Cube. So it's like you're analyzing Sam now turn the cube over to Sharon Stone. Why can't she quit this pimp? Yeah. Why fair. can't she just, why can't before, why does she have to? Um, it's a lot of the same reasons know, that Sam can't quit Nikki. Um, exactly. Because why they've known each Nikki, other forever. They get each other, right? There's something about right, that relationship. Right. And when, why does Nikki always have to a- escalate? Why does he can't? Why can't he be happy with the thing he's doing? Why? And to the, to the extent where he starts, like he throws all caution to the wind in the tail end of this movie. He's uh, and there's like a lot of little flashing red lights the narration provides. Like, yeah, Nikki stopped getting, stopped asking permission for all the stuff he's doing back home, and he was like acting as if he was the boss of Las Vegas, and the bosses of Las Vegas and Kansas City were ignorant of that decision. Mm-hmm. Like, why does he have to do those things? And it's like that's the thing. Like this movie is just a really deep meditation on how flawed people are and the need to control people and like the toxic side of love where I love this person so much that I can't let them go. I can't, Mm -hmm. I, I I literally can't let them self-destruct. Um, and I'm going to let them take my money. I'm going to let them take my kid. I'm going to perhaps let me let them take my life down with it because I just can't get away. And there's like, oh, my God, that scene where she takes her kid off to where, where Ginger steals the kid, goes off the pimp to live in Beverly Hills or whatever, doing blow right in front of this kid. Yeah. A pimp smacking her kid finally gets her back home, you know. And the night they get they get a babysitter, they get out, and this twenty five grand is stuck in his graw. Like he mm-hmm. said, it, she asked him, like, "Okay, I gave him twenty five. Can you forgive me for that?" And he's like, "If it's just twenty five, I can forgive." But he can't. Yeah, he can't. He's got to say, "Oh, you bought him suits, huh? How many suits? That's awful. Thousand dollar suits. Wow, you got fitted for twenty five suits in three days. Huh? Oh, I bought him a watch. Oh, a guy like him, what's he get? Uh, uh, a guy like him buying a watch he thinks is good taste, which mm-hmm. he won't. Like, it's just like, what the hell is he doing?" They're they're both antagonizing each each other. Like going out to California with this dude is a huge antagonization. And she knows it. She knows exactly what she's doing, right? She it's not like she just wanted to go live a life with Lester. She also wanted to stick it to to Sam. Like because that's what she knows. She knows like the the only way she can do things is that. But that's the thing. It's like again, uh, you know, like I feel like it's easy to be hard because she is definitely doing the most i mean well i don't know nikki's killing people with his heads and vices but yeah, like yeah. you know doing drugs uh taking your kid and expose like there's there's a lot of beyond the pit tying your kid to a bed so you can go out dude and do drugs like it's pretty fucking beyond the pale shit i don't know if it's any more or less worse than the other guys are doing but like it, it's not I, I like because you use the word like she's choosing to do these things. I don't think any of these people are making choices. They're just literally like machines that have to do the things they do. There's no self in, in, introspection to be like, OK, she shouldn't have done that. But I took her back and taking her back means forgiving her, maybe getting her to a treatment set. No, what I'm going to do is just like go right back into that dynamic because I can't let it go because it's not about the money. Yeah. It's about the control and about feeling out of control and how I can never allow that to happen. But it's wild that he picks his best friend to be Nikki and his lover for life to be Ginger. Two people mm-hmm. that'll never give him that safety and security. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, crazy. that vice scene where he squeezes a guy's head in a vice. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, yeah. They, they, they have a line in there, and I watched the Amazon Prime version of this, and I don't know if there are different versions, different cuts, whatever. They have a line in there, though, that says something like, oh, you make me pop your fucking eye out for this, for this name, Charlie M, or whatever. Mm-hmm. They didn't show the eye popping out, and I seem to remember a scene where they show the eye popping out. Did that get cut from this movie, or I, did it never exist? I, I think it, 
I think it might have gotten cut. Um, I don't think it's cut from this version. I don't because I remember um, I had forgotten about the scene when I watched it with Cecily like three months ago. And when they put that guy's head in the vice, I'm like, oh, fuck, I forget this. This is a is this. This is like a gruesome thing that's happening. And when I thought for sure we were going to see it, I, I bet that the MPAA like because you could tell that eyeball ready to ball the, the blow. <laughs> And it was uh-huh. kind of bulging, but like I think I, I think I, I I read some uh, some trivia where somewhere that they had to like cut thirty seconds out of this movie to get it to slide in as an R, because because yeah the that was thing in the violence I guess yeah yeah I don't know it's like I don't know why you can do that shit in Saw yeah but like in like a movie like this you can't you know like especially when the shit that they do do like. There's a couple of executions here that's some of the coldest shit I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. uh, Pesci coming into that old lady who's trying to get her money out of the casino and just grabbing her head and pop, pop, pop. Uh, the the use of baseball bats and hammers in particular in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all extremely gruesome and graphic. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like uh, that, that first... Um, that first smashing fingers with a hammer, like it's the movie's still in good time mode. Like, hey, look at the swingy rat pack shit. And I'm I'm taking you right. behind the scenes to show how all the skims working and all these comp and it's like fun, like your butt and then they're gonna they're gonna drag and then they get they get the circular saw out and you're like, where is this go? This went from zero to fucking saw uh-huh. in thirty seconds. Literally. Uh and it's still kind of played for laughs, right? When De Niro drags the other guy in there and be like, All right, you can have your hundred thousand. And you can get the hammer, or you can walk out now. And the guy's like, "Yes, sir, I'll take that deal. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 crazy. I don't know. Is there an eyeball? Is there an eyeball pop cut? We need to find. There's got to be. There's got to be. Otherwise, why have that line in there? The other thing that I appreciate. I don't know if you what you thought. I thought that there was a lot more blame to be put on Nikki. And when when I've watched this movie for the first time, like, you know, like clearly if it wasn't for Nikki, that the Ace probably have been OK. And in the two watches I made since that, I've kind of moderated that opinion. Yeah, because I thought like, OK, Ace, uh, Nikki went out to Vegas because he was hiding from heat from the east or whatever. But there's a, there's a very brief scene where I think his name is Remo, uh, the boss, the the head of the, you know, the 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 actual guy who's running shit. Mm hmm. In says, Kansas I City. need you to, yeah, I need you to take, uh, keep an eye on Ace because he's a good boy, makes us a lot of money, but you know, he's a Jew and he's not an Italian and we can't trust him. And you get, you know, you're a good Italian, but like he's like Nikki's, there, there's a scene that then he kind of like, cause, cause Ace is his friend and Ace is running the town. He kind of asks for permission. Like he's like, he does it very diplomatically and delicately. Um, but like he's, it's not like he came out there for wild hair and did it. I think it was his job. And, you know, he's got just like he can't, you know, just like Ace and Ginger can't walk away from shit. Neither can can Nikki. But like he was given a job to do and he's he's trying to do it. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I have less sympathy because he's just so overtly stupid. Sure. Um, sure. Um, and, that's and, one of know, the Sam wants to play it straight. Nikki doesn't. I mean, they 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 make these points so brilliantly because they show how slick an operation things are in Vegas on both sides. Like, you know, like the card counting, they got guys with mirrors and like remote things and they're doing telegraph and like doing wireless communication and stuff. Mm. And then they show once once Nikki runs all those guys off, they they show Nikki's crew 
And they're like sitting at the same table being like, ah, you know, uh, it's hard to carry two loaves of bread under your arm. Ah, I got three flat tires. What am I doing here? Like, it's the most obvious stupid shit. Uh And Ace tries to say, it's like, come on. You know, if you're going to rob the casino, can you at least, you know, wear the garter belt? I just won't catch you, you know? Mm -hmm. But like, there's there's gaming commission people hanging around and Nikki won't do it. Like, what? What's his? What is his deal? Why does he have to do the most obvious? Why can't he? He's so so artful and is smash and grabbing. Like he's doing stuff that nobody, like you know, drilling holes through walls and knocking stuff, doing this. But like the casino, it's just he treats it like his piggy bank. I don't. That's the thing I don't get. Yeah, uh, I go back to to Goodfellas. Like, are you are you gonna make a guy like this right? And they say in this movie, he's a made man. So. You know, he can't be touched. Uh, and I think that's the thing that gives him the license to to act the way he's acting is that he knows he's untouchable. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, why would you not just call that guy to the, the ceremony where you're going to make him and put a bullet in his head because he's more trouble than he's yeah. worth, right? Like, if he's acting that way before. Yeah. Um, one other thing when we're talking about this kind of like three-way trust triangle of uh, you know nightmare with Ace, Nikki, and Ginger, um, they set up this conundrum. I think this is the other flaw. I talked about the 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 car blown up. I think is a flaw. This is the other per- potential flaw, or maybe it's just fat in the movie. They established that like he gives Ginger control of his kidnapping money, like his bail money, like his like oh shit, this is my only way out if I'm in a closet or I need. They don't ever do anything with that. Like, she cleans his box out, but he knows it's happening. He has tons of money. He's not currently in a pinch or a bind. Um, I feel like that that, this movie is a long movie and is very watchable. But I feel like you could pull 15, 20 minutes out of it. Some of this stuff doesn't go anywhere. But I wonder if Scorsese pulls that stuff in because it feels more real. Yeah, I I think the box is like a detail that he uses later on, but he... You know, it doesn't use it to the the effect that most movies would. Um, it's more just like this is a part of this guy's life. Um, and, and I don't understand. Like, you're right when you say he's got a whole bunch of money. I don't understand his his. It's control. It's control. Like he, I know, but it's he, like he wants this two million dollars when he's probably got fifteen in the bank. I like mm-hmm. he's so concerned about this two million bucks in this box that she's taken. It, it doesn't. Yeah, seem he could right. probably one day's worth of big skimming. He could probably get that money back. If he, it'd be one thing yeah. if he was in the closet and it turns out she'd stolen it. Because I, I thought that's the first time I saw it. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, my God. You're trusting this woman with your your bail slash kidnap money. Yeah, it's Walter you're... White money in the crawl space, right? It's it's yes. exactly that is what a lot of shows would do with this. But it's just another, it's the final escalation of the control where he can't, uh, you know, like it, it's, it's it, I don't know, it's a microcosm because these cops that he owns are saying like, hey, Mr. Ace, we can't do anything about this. And he's like, well, she's drunk and she's driving and she's uh-huh. speeding. You can't pull her over while the feds are pulling her over. It's like, right. It, it is. I, I mean, I guess it works as a way to escalate, and maybe it's sometimes it's nice to subvert your audience's expectations. But I'm also like wondering, like, yeah, if you just pull another 15 minutes out of this movie, does it actually work better, or do you need that last little bit of, you know, um, you know, her ramming into his house and destroying his car? And I like to think that his- that's uh, Sherbert's car, that's Don Rickles' car, <laughs> that he's parked <laughs> there, looking from the curtains, uh-huh. like, ah, it's my car. What? 
I'm always the one getting the fist. Why yeah. why can't uh, Ace ever get? Because like Ace never gets. That's the crazy thing is um, Ace never really gets a consequence. Like he's literally no worse or better yeah. off at the end of the movie than he was to begin it. Um, That's true. He's right back know, where he, he was. He's right back where he was. He's got a kid, supposedly, uh, presumably, that I think he cares about uh, mm-hmm. genuinely. But um, I don't know. It's yeah, wild. The, the thing it does do with this money and and stuff is it it paints Sam as a, a it colors in Sam's character. Like you know, he's got all this money. He's got this lifestyle that where he could skim another two million in a week if he wanted. But he's so fixated on that, right? And it's and it tells you that it's not necessarily about the money. It's something within Sam that's driving him for uh control over over this woman control over his own life it's it it does color the lines in a little bit on sam especially when he has that quote uh where he's like there's three ways of doing things there's the right way the wrong way and the way i do it yeah which is a hell of a statement because there's a couple of things in the movie when he makes that point um the movie's been saying things like sam does things uniquely like, he's got this just-so way of doing things, and that's why he wins. Like, you know, he's meticulous, he's careful, he researches things. But then the second half of the movie is all about the way he does things and how wrong it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I, But I think that's interesting that, like, it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. It's just how I want things to be done. Right. And I think there's a little bit of that, like, you can see the seeds of that in his relationship with Ginger um, uh, that, like, kind of send that into a spiral um, but I don't know. Cause like, you know, the other thing is like, uh, I, I, that's the thing I got on this watch is like the first watch. I'm just aghast at what Nikki's doing. And like, Oh my God, this is so dangerous. And this is so transparently a bad idea. And like every single time he's like, Nikki, if you run this red light, you're going to get pulled over and they're going to take you to jail. Ah, what red lights. I don't even think this cops out here. Oh, I got, I'm in the black book now. Okay. Well, I guess that's a problem. Well, you can't come to casinos anymore. Ah, fuck that. What do they know? I they don't care. It's like it's just him completely transgressing over every line to Ace is saying, please, please, just don't. It's just, uh. yeah. But like I noticed this, how much Ace does the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's this point where like Remo or what, whoever the big boss is is saying like, yeah, I still want Nikki to run. He's runs a good square shot, but he needs to take whatever, whatever job he does. He's got to keep it quiet. He's got to stay out of the spotlight. And they smash cut to him starting up this Vegas show that's going to be on national television so he can get a larger, more flamboyant platform to quote-unquote fight back. And I'm like, yeah. you can't do it either, man. You can't you can't do it either. Um, mm-hmm. It's wild. Uh, I feel like I've said it's wild ten times because it really it is. is. Wild. This movie is, for a, a careful, cautious person, this movie is a is goddamn, you know, jungle safari of bad ideas and big game that you can't you don't got the ammunition to take take out you know um, you know speaking of taking things out and this movie maybe could be 15 minutes shorter at least uh kevin mm-hmm. pollock they could just remove him from this movie entirely and it would make no difference yeah, right the only do thing he it. does is get him some money from and not even he's like the patsy of this whole thing mm-hmm yeah, and I, I, or the other way you could take it is build it out a little bit more because I felt like the the bookend of this sure. film, where Ace is essentially doing like Elliot Gould does in uh, uh, Ocean's. Ocean's Eleven, yeah. 
He's like, ah, they're blowing up all my glorious casinos to put up these gaudy monstrosities. It's essentially that monologue. <laughs> he would have right? fit so perfectly in the fashion of this he, movie. He, he sure would have. He sure. Well, that's the funny thing about it is like he literally is like, uh, I think you're supposed to understand that is Ace yeah. Rothstein. He's and he's trying to get his revenge against the guys that just <laughs> that that edged him out. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, I gotta watch. I gotta watch Ocean's Elevens again now that I've got Casino under my belt because I bet that's exactly what you're supposed to understand. Um, but. It, it just doesn't kind of work because he says they, they don't connect the dots between, yeah. you know, the mob had their money and their patsies and now big businesses come and they're selling junk bonds and people are going to lose their shirt, but they're going to get rich. And is that like, is that, you know, that's a good argument to make. Like, is that less moral? Like, is Vegas any less immoral now that it's Disney World than no. when it was in the 70s? Because no, it's just they're still a vamp. They're still a vampire. Yeah. You know, like uh, the Mafia Vegas was a Bella Lugosi or maybe even a Nosferatu horrifying vampire that didn't try to hide that it's trying to suck you dry. Whereas like New Vegas is Edward Cullen. They still like from Twilight, they mm-hmm. they, they sparkle and but they're still going to suck you dry if you got warm blood. Um, yeah, that line at the beginning of the movie where they say like it's the last time got street guys like us were ever given anything that valuable. Uh, yeah. So now the, the value... I don't know. It's interesting to me. Like the, the idea that Vegas could sort of spring up as this haven of, you know, the the Moss Eisley, right? Of of the world, uh, scum yeah. and scum and villainy is is located here, and it's a great time if you don't get too mixed up in it. If you just visit, but you know, eventually that that became too big for to to be sustainable. Um, and the corruption and the crime and the, just all of that became too much. And so the corporate interest came in, took the money making parts of it, um, took Mm -hmm. the, the scammy shitty parts of it and Disneyfied it. And now they're just, you know, fleecing regular, regular Joes who are coming in with their families and stuff. But I'm trying to think of another arena where, crime or, or or you know it, it's like online is starting to become some of that it's it's like mm. there are underground uh mafia style groups who do things like sure. uh online that are move cash money or lock cash, it, drugs, locking down people. local government computers and demanding payments oh, right yeah, like yeah, yeah. shit like that um yeah oh, moving drugs around and, and money and people and that that is online um and you wonder, like, when when is that type of shit? Like, we already saw it, right? The internet is becoming Disneyfied in some ways, right? And monetized, yeah. over monetized, yeah. in those same ways. It's it's just, yeah. It seems like they they forge a path ahead, and then um, corporate interests come in, take what they can that's that's legal enough from that, and use it to make money for themselves. Yeah just it's a pattern um it's it's weird though because like i've i've only been i've only known disney or i've only known vegas since like the, it's disneyfication i think the first Me time too. i went out to vegas was like in the mid-2000s but i've already can tell there's a huge difference between then and now like when i was showing up in 2005 man if you were at the uh and uh and i've I'll brag a bit and say I've never left Vegas down. I've always taken Vegas. <laughs> nice. Ve- I, 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 I owe Vegas about three grand. And uh, 
<laughs> Speaking of Nikki, he's trying to get me back for his 40, uh, his 40th birthday to go out to big Vegas bash. And if I go, I bet that's when Vegas collects. Because uh-huh. I'll tell you what, it used to be that you had you had a sports book and you had you had tickets on your table. You never had to worry about drinks. Right. Um. Now it's like getting a drink comp. Who you got to blow or kill to get a drink cop comp in Vegas? Like that's it's crazy. One thing that the know. little rinky dink Midwestern casinos doing that shit, but if you yeah. can't get a drink cop in Vegas. What the fuck? What the fuck? It's crazy. It's to their advantage too. The looser, the more drunk you are, the more money you're willing to blow on stupider and stupider bets. It's. But the yeah. thing is, is I don't think that's true. Or if to the extent that it is, like the the vet, the the mafia guys would just be like, sure, yeah, keep them drunk, keep them, uh, uh-huh. you know, if they're winning big, give them a penthouse suite so they come back and lose it all tomorrow. Because that's the thing. Like Vegas doesn't care if you win; they love it when you win. Yeah, because you tell everybody. Vegas just wants you to keep coming back because yeah. you keep coming back, they will get you eventually. That's the way these odds work. Um, so the mafia guys would just be like, yeah, give him girls, give him blow, give him booze, give him nice rooms, give him banquets, give him, you know, fucking tickets to go see Frank Sinatra. Whereas like the corporation's like, eh, let's throw this into a spreadsheet and see how much a guy's got to lose till I got to give him a drink. And they got you on the car that, that it's like, you're a lab rat now, instead of a Mark, you've like, yeah, I, you know, I guess I'd rather be a Mark than a lab rat because you know, lab rats, I'm just getting shocked and I'm 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 getting fed and like who even knows it's some kind of science thing. Whereas a mark at least has to glad hand me, you know. And then, uh, you know, there's a mark. There's also a, a certain amount of skim uh when you're not running an above board operation, you know, like okay, well <laughs> g- get get them drunk, keep them happy. Uh maybe that cost us a little bit in the long run. And you know, if we were running this by the spreadsheet, we could be more efficient. But also you got the hustlers who are here, right? And they're going to spend money sure. in the restaurants and the casinos. And if they can't hustle these drunken fools out of their money, then they're not getting mm. paid. And we're not getting a part of that payment. And like it all comes back to us in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really funny to show the way they showed a passage of time is like, you know, they establish this this big beefy Italian guy goes in there with this big leather briefcase and just gets stacked with $100 bills. And by the end of the movie, it's like just this, this slim little envelope to get slid across, and uh-huh. and the old and you can see the old guys in Kansas City are like having cows, like this is out of hand. What it's 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 funny because yeah, it just wasn't working anymore. It's the yeah. greed. That's the thing about the greed engine, man. It runs great until it starts eating itself, you know. Mm. Um, and then then what do you got to do? Uh, I kind of want to talk about the characters because I feel like we talked a lot about Ace, but we haven't talked about like Nikki and Ginger so much. Okay. Um, I think this is my favorite Joe Pesci performance. Like I do prefer it to what he's doing in Goodfellas because it really leans into the fact that like Joe Pesci is just a hilarious guy. Like even when he's putting dudes like heads and vices, like like he's worked this guy over for two days. This guy's in bad shape. This guy's head in the vice. He's like, you better give it. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a. And then when a guy finally does, he's like, I forget what the guy's name. Oh, Charlie M. He's like, Charlie M. You let me pop your fucking eyeball off for Charlie M. And he just goes crazy about it. And yeah. or he's got this, he's got this restaurant. He's talking about this blonde about like how high class he is that he uses the milk fed veal. And he's explaining out to her as he's 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 like he's, he's this worldly guy trying to impress this girl. <laughs> he gets out in the car and has her just slide over and just as he's explaining the veal, just pushes her head right onto his crotch. Yeah, he does, uh, does that the same twice. Thing that's that, his go-to move. I, it's his go-to move, man. That's a, that's how you know he's a romantic, you know? Yeah. Um, that's his version of stopping like, short. 
And he's, when he's doing a narration about like after he stopped getting permission from the bosses to whack people and there's like this body count, like they keep on showing just like this guys with their brains blown out in the pool and the guy, the brains blown out and the and the, the cops are on him. He's walking out after his, his deposition and he's like uh, uh, he, he talks to this guy like this. There's reporters walking with him. He's like, hey, uh, you know, watch your step off this. Uh, watch the step, uh, step off the sidewalk. Wouldn't want you to slip on a banana peel and the cops come and ask. Like, uh-huh. He's got this whole comedy show he's doing, even though he's killing, you know, he's filling more vacants than Snoop and Chris did in The Wire. <laughs> it's 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 yeah. hilarious. And him. Like I thought, there was this really good scene he did where he he runs off another mafia crew that's there to rob the casino, and he's like, uh, "Hey, because uh, they all know each other, and these guys are made oh, men. Right. He can't yeah, just, yeah. you know, like Ace can just hammer a guy. Mm. Like you know, a guy comes to rob, but these are made men. So he comes up, it's like, hey, how you guys doing? Oh yeah, we're looking for Carmen. Oh yeah, Carmen. Yeah, oh, he actually went out the door five minutes ago. Yeah, oh, he's yeah, in another place the- across the street. Yeah, it's all this thing. It's like." He has to be kind of like with a velvet touch because he can't just kill these guys. They're all made men. So he just lets them know. It's like, hey, yeah. you stick around, steal money. There's going to be con- – it, it gives them this cover. Like they have this conversation that means – not. I don't even know Carmen exists. It's just a way for yeah. them to diplomatically talk and figure things out and not have Nikki beat their brains in, which is going to cause a bunch of trouble. And then he um, looks over at Sam after that conversation. And he's like, huh? Like, like he's behaving, yeah. right? He's the good dog who's – and then that's why he's Sam a bad dog who's desperately trying that. to be good. You know? Yeah. 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 Like it works out like like, you know, like uh, Nikki says, like this thing we had set up was so sweet and mm-hmm. we screwed it up because it was it was the perfect yeah, he laid out in the first act. It's like, you know, Sam's got the perfect girl in his arm. He's the perfect guy to run the casino. He's got his best friend from the way back days that can that can keep an eye on things and make sure that he you know, nobody messes with them. And we could have just ran that till the end of time. And they could have. But the greed engine um i don't know if i want to say much more they, they have a little details like the fact that nikki loves his kid he worships his child like he's there to make him pancakes every day and he's he's talking he's yeah. like really involved in the little league who's a federal was <laughs> the coach of his little league like a federal agent or something and mm-hmm. um his kid's I name thought is that was little funny. nikki which yeah well you know <laughs> adam sandler ruined but i think he ruins it a couple years later but mm-hmm. um what do you want to say about Ginger? I mean, I think this is widely considered to be Sharon Stone's finest performance, if not like top three. So she was um, nominated for best actress in a leading role uh, for the, the Academy Awards. Didn't win. Lost to Susan Sarandon in Dead Man Walking that year. But yeah, um, it's a it's a great performance. It, it has a lot of range. Um, you know, she can be sexy and seductive and smooth and and well put together and also a total fucking train wreck by the end of this movie. Yeah. Like some of the physical acting where they're like throwing her downstairs and like throwing her out in a part. Like there's, there's just a lot of physical acting that she's doing and like the way she, um, like I said, I just, I can't imagine what filming this shit is like where you're just like, you know, you know what today we're going to do, what we're going to do today. We're going to scream at each other until we're red in the face and spit is flying. And we're going to do this like 15 times. Like how do you, how, how do you do it? It seems like, it seems like a hostile work environment. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. Um, I guess, I guess you just but you I, get a big hug after the scene is over. Right. <laughs> yeah. And just, just watching her spiral down. Cause I don't know what she's more addicted to this, this, like this, just James, 
the other thing I watched, I kept on thinking on multiple watches is why didn't Ace and Nikki just kill James Wood, man? I, I like, think he knows that, that if he did that, a pit. he would lose Ginger for good. Um, really? There's something that waited for like a quiet point to like, it's been, oh, it's been, we had a good month. And this guy, like, cause he's the thing is, is like, I think that Ginger would probably believe this guy gets himself killed. I think he's, he, could, sure. Yeah. I mean, he's a low He's life. not a smart man. Yeah. Yeah. And a dumbass um, and a hothead. I, I, no, I, I get the impression that like, he could have done that very early on in the relationship, but I think if, like, especially after they go to Beverly Hills or whatever and spend a bunch mm-hmm. of money, if he had done it then, she would have known. Like, it's not something where she needs proof. Like, she would just know, right? Yeah. And that's uh, the thing. It's like, yeah, you, know, you could you could take the Rubik's Cube out to James Wood because, like, what is he thinking? Like, he's just, he's really stupid. Incredibly. Uh, like, that, that, that. Like, like when he's like saying, uh, oh, he doesn't know where we're at. He's not outside. It's like, dude, he called you at your house. He knows exactly where you're at. You probably have five yeah. Joe Pesci's outside your back door. Or uh, I, I, <laughs> I do think it's hilarious that this the Mafia Execution Squad's average age is like 73 years old. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah, when they're all these going dudes, to Costa Rica. All these dudes, yeah. All these dudes clean and look like your dad, man. For sure like they do. now, yep. like 2020, your dad. And they're like, come on, you jag off, pow. Like, <laughs> I, that was, that was, there's no Luca Brazzi. There's just like the, mm-hmm. it's, it's the buffet club at Ponderosa coming to, to take you out, man. <laughs> it's so I funny. Mean, they, they have the great equalizers, right? <laughs> it's true. The guns, the yeah. guns and the aluminum baseball bats and the fact that these people trust you until they don't, you know? Right. Uh, and that's God, the thing that's... with Lester. I, I think like he's he's incredibly dumb, oh, and he just overestimates Lester himself. Too. Yeah, Lester Diamond. Uh huh. What he, a name! <laughs> it's a bad name, <laughs> but it's a great name. I don't know. It's both. Yeah, it's perfect for him. And James Wood, I, he's a terrible human being from everything I can tell. But he plays, a, yeah, he plays a good terrible human being in this movie. Yeah, uh, he just he just overestimates his own uh, competence. He overestimates his own. Uh, grandeur like how important he is when he's dealing with these people who are so much more connected than he is speaking of the geriatric hit squad i love the scene where you know all the mafia old men the the kansas city mafia um are finally kind of getting the heat and they're brought in for you know to this this court trial and they're all like on oxygen. They're like, you know, they're on oxygen and they're on walkers. And like, oh, our clients are too old to stand trial. And then they get to the back room. And as soon as the door closes, they rip off their oxygen yeah. mask. And they do this thing where it's like they go down the table. It's like, okay, what do you think we're going to do about this guy? And they go down and the guy's like, you know, I think Andy's a stand up guy. He'd never betray us. He's served us for 50 years. Next guy's like, solid guy, Marine. We can trust on him. I think he's okay. The guy's okay. And then they get to Nemo and Nemo's like, you know what I think? why take the risk but that's just what i think a smash cut to him getting whacked like yeah there's something so just great about the way scorsese shows that like it doesn't matter you can do everything mm-hmm. right if the heat's on it's gonna t- it's time to liquidate it's time to set everything on fire it's time to burn those bridges and make sure those dead men tell tell no tales and it's it's that's a part of the criminal movies that always give me a chill that like yeah that's what it means to be outside the law mm-hmm there's there's no there's no protection there's no recourse um yeah yeah uh okay i got a question about ginger um actually it's more of a question about the operation of the vegas and they do a great job in this movie of kind of conveying you know how how you said earlier everyone's on the take somehow 
everyone's skimming out of everyone else's pockets. Th- there's one dot that I can't connect, though, and it's the valet parkers, because they make a big deal about mm. how the parkers pay, what is it, parkers pay, take care of the security guards, security guards take care of the metro cops, metro cops let them operate. She's mm. like in with them. I don't I don't understand why a valet parker would be so important. And I don't I think when you're talking about cuz what 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 Ginger and and Nikki both are looking for is whales, right? Uh-huh. Uh you know that they can siphon off and and in Nikki's case is smash and grab their shit. How do they know the random people flying into Vegas, how they know the high rollers from the mom and pop from Kansas that's just, you know, wanting to to let their hair down. You can watch the valets the high are room. the guys the well, you could do that, but the valets are the guys that are unloading the luggage and like taking it through the room and knowing what room they stayed at. Like, mm, true. I feels like that's the like they at the end point. It's like, hey, look, this uh, I just helped this lady. She got nice fur. She got diamond stuff. They got yeah. seventeen big bags and they stayed at the penthouse suite right away. No comp. Like that's they give them intelligence. I think. Okay, um, and they do show a couple of scenes of that happening. Yeah, like uh, like you know, it's like oh, did they check? Are they gone out of the room? And then Nikki's going to show up and rob him. And I think Ginger does the same, except for she sidles up to him at a table and being like, "Hey, I'm your good luck charm." I, I, I that's the question I had is like, how how does the with Elizabeth Shue and like how does the how is being a high class grifter different from just being you know a thousand dollar an hour car call girl? Mm-hmm. Or are they? Or am I supposed to literally is is grifter literally just a euphemism for prostitute? Or is there like a class of woman who uh, does definitely that's the the cover story, but they're, they're, it's a little bit more like they're trying to to get in there and ingratiate like steel chips. I I don't know. Like, what's the difference between a a sex worker and a grifter or or um, hustler? Hustlers. I, I feel like it. it's a subset. You know, it's like not all grifters are sex uh, workers. No, it's the other way around. Maybe I don't know. I feel like yeah, that's that's a part of the job. Are are, are are hustlers, but all hu- hustlers yeah. probably include a little bit of sex work. I think so. I think so. Um, um hmm. yeah, I could see that. Um, the other thing this f- film does well is documents the history of how Vegas worked up until the early '80s, and I thought that was endlessly fascinating. Like before you had widespread CCTVs, you had dudes up in the drop ceiling with binoculars, with binoculars yeah. going through one way mirror and I, stuff that I never even thought about. Uh, the casino licensing scam. Like how do these wise guys get licensing? Well, the backlog to get a gaming license 10 years long and it has to reset every time you, you get a job change. So you just go from being the director of entertainment to the director of food and beverage to the director of uh, hotel and guest relations. And you just keep on playing that little shell game. And as long as you don't piss off the locals. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll as long as you'll piss off the fucking turquoise cowboy boot crowd, you're gonna be fine with that. The danger a whale presents to the to like like um like to an unsophisticated casino owner, a guy with enough bankroll to bust your casino. Yeah. You know, like they showed like this Japanese businessman who had like taken down a couple of <laughs> um, a casino in the Cayman Islands because they just have enough money that they can they can sustain a run of bad luck. And how, you know, Ace eventually bought him by like, you know, this this elaborate subterfuge of like, oh, the plane, you can't take off because the plane's having trouble. You know what? We'll comp you. Give you a hundred thousand dollars of chips, knowing that if they get this guy playing, that the odds will eventually get him back. I thought that was great. Um 
Yeah, just, we, just this is the way they showed the money, how it all, how it all, like the the movie is hungry for money. It follows it, like literally follows the money as it goes through the casino, and you see every little bit, like the, how the the dollars get peeled at the top. Even how the mafia takes, like there's not an official system for doing it. They just go into the count room where they're not supposed to be, and the guys are counting, and they're not paying. It's just this dude just walks in, he goes to the cash box, and. He takes him 30 seconds and he's gone. Like, it's just a really, yeah. it, it's just like, it's like the first 30 minutes of this is like a documentary, like how shit gets made. Vegas edition. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I, I feel like uh, Oceans, the Oceans movies perfected that um, somewhere along mm. the way to where like, it, you know, obviously it's the more honest side of the casino stuff. This has like the criminal right. element. Right. But I think like. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where there's no cover here, right? It's all just like it relies on everybody looking the other way. And as soon yeah. as you lift the, the, as soon as you open the curtain on this stuff, it all is shown to be just a scam. All of it. Uh, That's what's so fun. That's why I love about, there's this one particular monologue or narration that Nikki's given when Sam tells him like this three loaves of bread under your arm, bullshit, you know, stealing money from the blackjack table, count openly counting cards on your fingers and toes is not going to happen. And he's like, I don't understand what Ace is getting so mad about. This is Las Vegas. We're supposed to be robbing. That's the reason we're out here. And it's like, uh-huh. that's a hard thing. That's how do you argue against that? Like, hey, you're doing it the wrong way. You know, like, I mean, you can try that and it gets about as far as you think it gets with Joe Pesci. So, right. Uh, and then the other, like I said, I forgot to connect this dot, but the the detail about everyone, everyone stealing and everyone mad about the person stealing from them culminating into that guy that runs the Italian grocery store where all the money runs through in Kansas City being like, these guys are robbing me blind. I'm going to start writing stuff down. And they just that's a, that's just a one sentence throwaway in like the first act in the movie. And then as the second turns into the third, you see him with a binder full of criminal conspiracy mic'd up saying, this guy's stealing. And you see an FBI agent writing down this guy's uh-huh. name. And this guy, that well, last time I talked to him, and it's just the you, they can't see the noose tighten around their neck. Um, because as smart, like, as smart as Ace is and as smart as, like, Nikki thinks he is, you're only as smart as the weakest link, man. Yeah. And th- there's a lot of weak links of this, <laughs> this organization, turns out. Um, but I, I love that, like, the, you know, keeping notes for a criminal fucking conspiracy yeah stringer bell would say not smart all right so we open this podcast talking about uh which is better casino Mm. or goodfellas i think there's only one true way to judge and it's to rank the uh, the apartments the houses of henry hill and sam rothstein oh which one which one is worse (laughs) and i think that movie probably wins Oh, the the worst one because I'm worst like I, apartment or house wins. Yeah, they're both kind of tasteless in their same way. Yes. Like Sam's uh, Ace is running a little bit towards the Liberace end of tasteless, mm-hmm. and uh, Henry's running a little bit towards the New Jersey tracksuit, gold chain, uh, you know, slick back hair end of of tasteless. But uh, I, I think I think Henry Hill's got the worst house. <laughs> Like, By far, yeah. I had a physical reaction to him taking us through a tour uh-huh. of his third act house. Where like I kept on like, you know, I would never have that much clothes and that many watches and that many shoes, but I admire the garage 
that he has, like the road, sure. the like the systems he has to keep it all straight and all that stuff. It's like you gotta admire the the efficiency and like, yeah, some of Sam's stuff is sweet. Oh yeah, I, I love his uh, front window, like or back window. I I forget which it is. Oh, it's, looking out of that golf course. Yeah, I mean he's just got this full picture window. One wall is just a window. It's cool. It's beautiful. I mean the decor inside is atrocious, but not nearly as atrocious front, as Henry. Front row uh, um, views of the the federal agents running out of fuel <laughs> and landing on the golf course. Yeah, Amazing. God, there's so many great scenes. That's another thing. So Pesci just so funny, like. These federal agents run out. They come scrambling with their little like walkie talkies and guns, and they're going right past Ace, who's trying to have like this legit on the board, this in, intense discussion with the gambling board. Yeah, and Joe Pesci's like, "Hey, thousand dollars, whoever hits the plane first to goodbye." There's like just you can hear him like donking balls off the. It's so great. It's so great. Yep. Uh, casino baby, twenty five years. I think I'm ready to to chill out a little bit on the gangster movies. Like we've done this, so. we did Goodfellas, we did Irishman, we did Wolf of Wall Street recently. Like I I could take a break on this kind of stuff for a while. 2020, the year of the gangster turns out uh, yeah. a bald move, which doesn't feel like it's entirely a, a terrible fit for this uh, year who's that's been siphoning off so much of our psychic resources. For sure. Uh Who's got my their hand in my pocket? I tell you what, it's not the number of that the number of hands not zero. I feel like this year. Yeah. Um, that's it for Casino. We'll be back next week for 1986's Labyrinth, uh, which is the David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly fantasy um, vehicle. I've Ch- never seen this space. one. You've never. I've never. Wow. I've seen like bits and pieces of it, and you know who hasn't seen a couple of memes from Bowie from this film? Sure. Um, and I feel like because I, I know they came up a lot on the Harmontown podcast because one year Jeff Davis, the the the, the co-host of the show, did went went all in. They went all in on the Labyrinth theme, and I think they did a Halloween episode of Harmontown where they all dressed up as what is it, Jareth? Okay, yeah, Jareth is a David Bowie like King of the Goblins thing. And uh, did they, they wear did, the, they the did pants? Some skits and stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Jeff Davis. Yeah. He went. He went all out and looked good doing it. <laughs> um, but we'll be back. It's another commission podcast. Uh, so we we got the you got a, a fellow bald mover to thank for that one. We're gonna do um, labyrinth. I think we're gonna be doing back to back commissions. It's looking like labyrinth and then Return of the King to finish our Tolkien trilogy. Um, but yeah, that's what the you can look forward to in the weeks ahead. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.